Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Rollercast Season 2, the post-season discussion show. My name is Chris, I'm joined by our Season 1 storyteller and player in the vampire game, uh, Phil Harker-Smith. Hello. And I'm also joined by our musical composer, Paul Goodman. Hello. Paul, this is the first time our listeners have met you. Uh, we've been collaborating with you for a long time, but uh, why don't you introduce yourself to, to everyone? Will do, thank you. Uh, my name's Paul Goodman. I'm from the podcast One Good Thing. Uh, me and uh, fellow co-host slash brains behind the operation, Paul Salt, watch uh, bad film every week and try to find the good things about them because we believe no film is truly worthless. It comes close some weeks but uh we have been victorious in our mission every week until now and it's been too many years so um i think we're gonna be okay you'll make it through we've also worked with you before um but in this in this podcast we uh worked with you we collaborated with you as for music you yes you composed and uh created the tracks for both seasons of Roll to Cast, both Cyberpunk and Vampire. I did, yeah. It's been quite a journey. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about how the, the tracks came about, what the process was, where the inspirations for them came, uh, how we collaborated, what the process was there. And uh, because season one came first, I'm going to hand over to my good friend Phil, and he is going to talk about Cyberpunk. Cool. Um, well, first of all, I, I, I just want to th- thank you, Paul, for your really hard work on on this and just commend you for how much the music has has really brought to the storytelling the acting and and the show in general it really has elevated it so i want to say thank you for that that's been your tea kind do you want to talk a little bit about how the collaboration actually kind of came about and how we ended up kind of partnering up, partnering up on the project? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm sure you can pitch in at times, but um, it started with our collaborations with Sharp and Take My Podcast and One Good Thing. I think um, Sean approached us and Paul and I are both introverted, antisocial Londoners. So we weren't going to go approaching any podcast anytime soon. And um, so suddenly, yeah, we had this opportunity to work with you guys and what, sort of 10 episodes of One Good Thing and five to 10 of Sharp later. We've, yeah. We're just <laughs> Go 
going and going and going. And last time around, we ended up with pass through from you, which if anybody here hasn't oh seen, it is a technical masterpiece <laughs> um, and a spiritual one. But it actually came about, I mentioned this in one of our episodes, actually recently, Sean mentioned how he liked the jingles. And I think you guys in one of your episodes discussed how, how much you loved how crap they sounded. And yes. um, <laughs> which um, usually intentional. And we actually... I came down to Adelaide and I think we got talking about role, you know, about tabletops. And um, you brought up that you were going to be doing a campaign, a cyberpunk 2020 campaign. Yeah, it was sort of in its nascent stages at that point. Yeah. And, and I went, oh, brilliant. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to join in. I'd love to play. And um, <laughs> and then you sat on this for about two weeks <laughs> going, oh, God, how am I going to tell him that that's not what I was going to ask? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I felt very British about the whole thing, and I had to to ask the rest of Baby Beard and be like, "He's misunderstood what I've said. What do I? What do I do? How do, what, do I incorporate him now that I'm? Am I committed now? I mean, I've got the whole campaign written, but sure, I could. I guess I could include him. I felt it felt very um, it felt very schoolyard gossipy. <laughs> uh, oh, I've told him this thing, but he's misunderstood, and it was very cute. Yes, <laughs> the, the pair of us. What are we like? But um, once, yeah, once you finally revealed to me the truth. The nature of the invite. It was as exciting because I thought, oh, great, I get to work on it, but be by myself. <laughs> and not have to travel to Adelaide. Yeah. <laughs> once once a year, you know. It's... Yeah, that's, that's, that's enough for anyone. <laughs> but then I thought, okay, well, that, that makes more sense. So from then on, really, it was just about just about getting to know the world. And because I'm, you know, pretty heavily into electronic music, but cyberpunk isn't something I'd explored all that thoroughly. There was a real learning process there. Well, actually, that's a good point to ask is what musical background do you, do you come from? What music interests do you come from and what composing interests? What genre of work do you come from? Yeah, so it's other than crap podcast jingles. You know, it's developed over the years when I grew up. There was I wanted to play the drums for the longest time. And my music, music teacher took my audition and went, you should play the double bass. <laughs> so um, so I was misdirected for many years. Um, as a small and malnourished English English boy carrying a comedically oversized instrument around on his back, and um, and after that, I realised that guitars are easier and cooler. So I just sort of did that for quite a few years and did the whole travelling with my my guitar over my shoulder oh, yeah. uh, nonsense. Yeah, just without any of the the making like lasting friendships stories right. to go along with it. So you didn't become a rocker boy. Oh, I want at heart, yes, but in pr- <laughs> in, in practice. Uh, and evidently no. And then, but probably from around, I think 15, 16, I got into Fruity Loops. I think before that, it was like a free music maker on Windows or something. And at the time, I was making loads of chip tune 8-bit uh, masterpieces. And from from then on, it was sort of learning enough to then go, oh, okay, this program's probably better. So I'll move on to Reason, for example, because the Prodigy use Reason. And it's probably been, yeah, from about the age of 16, 17, getting into electronic music. Because obviously this is the time of new metal. Uh, so that, that gripped me for a while. and still does. Best, best music genre of all time. Hard agree. Hard <laughs> agree. Do you think it's enhanced by the addition of uh, the occasional uh, rap breakdown? Yeah, I like to just grab the mic occasionally and go, hey, 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 haha, and just <laughs> see, see where it takes me. Um, but um, I, I content myself just to have occasional song titles in parenthesis, like a Coheed and Cambria song. And that, that <laughs> usually does it for me nowadays. But then, yeah, taste develop and I got into Psytrance specifically when I turned 18, moved to London and started going to loads of London bridge parties and just pretty much became obsessed with creating an authentic Psytrance beat because I don't, I don't know 
how much you've listened to, but it's a very intricate, quite like technically precise genre and it has very precise requirements. So it's really frustrating. It's just been a really useful way of spending two decades. Other than that, you know, the music that I made, a lot of, it's such a weird mix that often comes across as pretentious, but is no, go, going no. from Lemon, well, most of the songs are about 10 minutes long and it's just... That's fine. Oh, that's what I, that's what I love. It's just, it's what I love. Yeah. That's what I, I love with all my heart. And um, Making these odd drones in your basement, like yeah, Godspeed to Black Emperor bedroom. or something. Yes, exactly. And I think when I listen to that and hear them put 15 minutes of static in between two tracks, I think it's nonsense. But when I do it, I think actually it's genius. Yeah, because I can hear where I've tweaked it um, <laughs> and introduced the the ARP three minutes and forty eight seconds in, and uh, I've just been I've just been releasing the cut off ever so slightly for the for seven minutes after that, and it's actually genius. But um, but it, like ranging from yeah that sort of stuff to weird boppy lemon jelly and going into boards of Canada type stuff and just any anything really that grabbed my interest. So if that's pretentious. You can call me pretentious because I love both of those things. It, it is when you do it all in one in one song. And, yeah, fair um, enough. But yeah, so I was completely directionless for about 20 years. So I just did stuff for me. And nothing has changed. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back down to sort of like how we how we kind of put the music together for the season season one of Rollcast specifically. Yeah, please do. So I'm going to stop uh, that one. <laughs> going mainstream um, is what we end up calling it. Yeah. And I guess it was... The thing I want to say is that for both of us, for all of us, really, uh, it was a completely new venture. Uh, And so we didn't really know what we wanted or what we needed. Yeah. And so we just sort of started with kind of influences and we did that sort of the same on the the acting and performance side as well. We watched Akira and Mm. we, we talked about the media that we really enjoyed and we kind of did the same thing i guess we talked about blade runner and yeah. sort of soundtracks for things that we we really liked something that that has popped into my mind recently is the old phrase the old aphorism talking about music is like dancing about architecture <laughs> yeah very sexy yeah it's just but it's also this kind of difficult mismatch and so when we started to put things together Paul and I, Paul thrives, you, you thrive on, on feedback and you really like to talk about your tracks and, and how they sit and how they feel. Yeah, I get validation. It was this whole kind of new, I had to find this new vocabulary of, of talking about music. Uh, it's not something I think about very intensely in my life. I'm a very literary kind of minded person. So suddenly mm. I'm like, yeah, can I get something that's a bit more crunchy? Twangy? Yeah. Twangy? Um, this wispy? You know, and, and trying to find this sort of translation and this language between us to take us from influences to mm. product. And how did you find that from my end in terms of like the feedback and talking about the music well i also i also come from a fairly literary background i've before you know properly giving music most of my time i I wrote an awful lot loads of fiction and just take very easily to it and so Uh, where can people buy your book oh they can uh, they can get a get it on amazon Uh, (laughs) what's it called it's called doghead d-o-c-k-h-e-a-d and it's an existential (laughs) meta meta referential Metatextual book about the usefulness of art um, when a real life tragedy hits, and so uh, not pretentious at all. No, he um, no. The, the, the main character does talk about 
um, how Amon Tobin's Splinter Cell is one of the most groundbreaking albums of all time. And I, and I, do you know what? Coincidentally, I agree. Yeah, so I've always found getting getting feedback from someone like Ellen, for example, who does, is, is sort of musically minded and terminologically minded. I always have to ask her to clarify what a term actually means. Oh, um, right. So so sometimes when I, you know, when I get, get something from you, which is, the kind of woolly thing I would say trying to trying to describe music then it actually it actually makes a lot of sense but obviously can't speak for other musicians but for me it's it's always something internal and I very rarely put it into words so it's 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 a tricky one it's very it's definitely something that I intuit more than sit down and say okay well what I'm going to go for here is is this specifically so it, it, it did feel quite organic and um and none of it felt forced which was pretty essential i want to talk about the track we ended up using for the intro yes because that intro um i really like it uh, it has this kind of wonderful kind of electrifying build up to it that excites people for the next kind of half hour of of drama and excitement it's about to to hit their ears quickly kind of pivoted to like okay what are we going to need to to kind of highlight the various moods that the players are in which of those did you find most kind of easy to to kind of glom onto anything you know anything action oriented is always quite a fun easy one for me because i I tend to just like music as loud as possible which is the opposite of what you need for for a for a a backing (laughs) track yeah exactly you know yes my, my favorite tracks from the from the whole soundtrack are going to be ones like Dangerous Citizens for, and um, I think it's Night City 2, just because and Night City 2 is particularly good at setting a scene without having a soundscape. The world is really well realised and I wanted to have this space where the characters had agency outside of the world at the same time and I wanted to sort of get, a, get across that there, there was this attitude and there are these personalities and they're all sort of invading this world. So yeah, Night City 2 is particularly good at that. Yeah, I suppose Dangerous Citizens is the is the other one just because it just, it manages to incorporate a lot of the, the dissonance of, of what I wanted to get into this soundtrack. The other thing that I found um, sort of you you brought to, to me and I had never really considered is making a motif for the characters. Right, so yeah. The route that people have when they're listening is is through the characters, it's through their voices and what they say and, and the decisions they make. How did you approach making, say, uh, a track for a personality like Bob's? A lot of what go, goes into it is closing my eyes and winging it. And hoping that it turns out right, but but there's obviously a lot of as, as well as getting to know the world, which is is helped to feel quite estab- quite well established by existing you know existing groundwork. Yeah, all, all this stuff's established. There's, you know, you have a whole musical genre, and I think they just both feed off of each other. So there's there's all this stuff there to to pull from and, and be influenced by. When it came to the characters, there's a lot of a lot of talking to the players, trying to just figure out just a lot. You know, it's stuff you wouldn't even think to ask usually. But I found just getting to know as much as possible was always really useful. Um, I think you guys provided fairly lengthy bios and then feedback as well was just 
just super important. It's all well and good when I'm sitting by myself and doing a 10 minute track and, go, and going, well, I think this should do, this should go particularly weird here and <laughs> I'll up the cutoff by 3% here. But when you've got this character that, you know, Chris, Sean and Ellen had created and I assume a lot of love had gone into and you must, you know, I assume you still feel fondness for, for these characters. It's another thing entirely to then come up with this track and go, hey, Hope you like this. This represents your creation. Yeah, I've, t- I've taken everything that existed in your head in a very specific way and I've given it my very specific interpretation of that. So it feels like a bit of a, like a responsibility. Definitely. It's definitely a nerve-wracking experience. Uh, and I found that time and time and again working with you guys, the character leitmotifs are the, the most stressful ones. But for me, I, they're definitely some of my favourite tracks. I think yeah. Gibbertron is there's such a madcap, yeah. fun energy to it. It somehow manages to kind of convey this kind of unhinged nature of, of the character by its kind of incongruity. It almost feels like luck sometimes. <laughs> if I'd have been great at sticking to the cyberpunk mission statement and, and, and you know, tr- just trying to sound like Perturbator, yes. uh, for example, then that probably wouldn't have come out the way it did. I mean, for Bob, that's exactly how it needed to come out. It's, it switches style a few times throughout. It changes beats and it's just very twisty and turny and restless a track, I think. And I think as well, I don't think it's necessarily luck. It's you getting into the world of Cyberpunk 2020, that a game that's been around for, what, now nearly 30, nearly 40 years, right? Oh, and God. taking all of that cultural history, all of that art history, all of that kind of accrued influence and then taking our stuff, which we provided in terms of character sheets, in terms of character bio, in terms of uh, what we intended to do with these characters. You then filtering all that through yourself as an artist, as a, as a musical artist. And, you know, it sounds wanky, but it's true. That's what you do. Mm. You're filtering it through yourself and you go, right, cool. How is this going to work? How is this going to operate? What am I feeling from this? What are my impulses mm. from that? And what conclusions uh, can I make from that? Yeah, I mean, th- I guess this is the nature of a collaborative project. You're, you're bringing a very particular feel or an ambience or very specific shade of something to the project and I always see it as being very similar in one way to adapting a novel yeah it's a cinema is a very completely different medium you can't just film it like a not a novel on a screen you have to think what are the strengths of the medium that I'm working in and how can I make this my own thing which is why just adaptations uh, it's always such a mixed end product and also you know it, it's important that we talk to you about this because ultimately your artistic decisions color the characters back as well yes um, they highlight qualities that we as we as you know the people who just made some characters and played them didn't intend to be highlighted uh, that's the the equal kind of nature of collaboration is that not only are we going here's what I want from this track and here's what I'm feeling from this track mm. you, when you return with that music it it highlights things that we didn't intend and that's fantastic that's great it's really good to know that there's a sort of an extra dimension there just waiting for me to to step in and f- hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts they said what the f- are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fill it, you know? Yeah. So there's this really great moment in about halfway through season one where uh, Cassie plays a show and she yeah. finishes her show with one of her signature tracks. She is a, a rock boy or rock ball girl, whatever you want to call it. And a part of, you know, a huge part of her identity is that she is a performing artist. She makes music. Mm. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about uh, working with Ellen to create kind of in-world tracks? God, it was so exciting. I just, it was a completely new challenge as well. On top of already suddenly doing a collaborative project and having, you know, having to submit my own stuff. With Ellen, I think you were discussing this in one of the between season episodes last time around and, you know, likened it to the Postal Service, who did mm. write an album using the Postal Service, sending things back and forth, which, which is kind of ha- kind of how it happened, except we'd, if we were a band, we'd be called the Dropboxes or something, <laughs> which isn't as cool, um, <laughs> but we'd make it cool. I don't know. It sounds good. <laughs> Dropboxed? There you Dropbox is. isn't too bad. Yeah, okay. Well, there we go, Ellen. There's potential future for us. Yeah, very, very similar. Ellen was um, sending over some a cappella versions of her, yeah, of her couple of tracks. I then went away and listened to it again and again and tried to sort of put a few things over it that might work. And then I just kept doing that and doing that and doing that until I found something that really fit. And again, it was about trying to find something that did it, was it supposed to suit cyberpunk or was it supposed to suit somebody who was in this world and uh, making her own music which is what i opted for in the end and it had obviously it had the same grungy elements that cyberpunk sometimes brings but for the most part it was about trying to make it cassie's own which again is an extension of getting to know this character you know as well as writing a leitmotif writing something that she herself would write and then she would re-record yeah what she'd sung a cappella that now to try and match the music that you had made and then send that back right and then you yeah. would adjust that to- i mean they were both really cool both um tame back the night and rubber veins and i just said two things in quick succession there so you don't have to sample both of them um <laughs> But Rubber Veins in particular, I thought was was brilliant from Ellen for giving me this insight into her character. Yeah, the lyrics really feel like a raw nerve. Yeah. And, you know, Ellen Ellen really gave it everything for singing those vocals. Singing those vocals, you see what I mean? It's not a particularly technical term, but <laughs> yeah, you know, she put a lot of soul and a lot of her character into it. And that was just so help, helpful for getting these tracks together. Look, if she's up for doing a Cassie Glass album at some point and um, she can find me some time, <laughs> that would be amazing. Both of those things would be great. We'll make it a uh, Patreon unlock. Yeah, that's go. a great Fix. idea. If you've been thinking of a reason to go on Patreon, now that's the reason. <laughs> yeah. Get a Cassie Glass album happening. I'd do it. I've already done it. Thank Yeah, thank you. <laughs> do you want to maybe go up to the next next tier, though? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> do I? Do you? Yes, I should give all my worldly... <laughs> possessions to baby beard media <laughs> um i could probably talk about the individual tracks for 
cyberpunk all day i feel like i barely touched the surface but mm. there is another season of rotocast that you also collaborated on yeah um vampire the masquerade so I, i'll let chris as the storyteller and creator for for that season take the lead on that instead thanks mate so we had one season in the bag at this point and so i think for both of us there was a sense of we had something to learn from and something to draw from definitely um do you remember how it started because i'm i'm hazy in my brain my old age well as the youngest of us three (laughs) it gets better for a couple of years and then it starts getting worse again oh good I'm, i'm looking for my second wind Fantastic. I can't remember when that was, though. Oh, good. But <laughs> it's been and gone, has it? Yeah. <laughs> it certainly has. The vampire was, God, the process, I don't know. It's, it started out pretty similarly. It's about just throwing a lot of shit out there and seeing what sticks in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and I remember I had a couple more missteps in the very beginning with, you know, writing stuff and realizing, okay, this is not quite the direction I need to be going in. Um, so I felt there's a bit more fine tuning there and definitely, you know, learning from going mainstream, how we were going to make that work moving forward definitely gave that a different sort of feel. Yeah, I definitely remember early on being pretty prescriptive mm. in the direction that I wanted to go with. Mm the music of it and also thanks to the vampire the masquerade bloodlines video games we had yes quite a and and another album created by vampire the masquerade which i think is called the succubus club which has a whole bunch of artists performing tracks as if they're uh, as representative of, of clans we were able to have quite an extensive music history for for a game that isn't quite as old as uh cyberpunk 2020 but all of that field was good work. By by narrowing it quite early, it's like, well, now everything is kind of kosher and good. I think that really helped. Um, interestingly, I was also, I was actually officially down to play this one, but then we couldn't find a weekend that suited us all. That's right. You were actually going to play a Malkavian. I was going to play a Malkavian. Yes, yeah, some interesting connections. God, who knows? I don't think I'd have survived listening back to the episodes now and how panicky everybody is. <laughs> Maybe it's for the best. I'm alive now. They might have killed your character. They might have done. I'd have just been able to walk walk around Adelaide and <laughs> check out the sights. But yeah, I I mean I remember listening to the album and getting real massive attack vibes off of the first couple of tracks and um getting a, a, a feel of a particular time, you know, where you got Marilyn Manson and Clint Mansell and all these people all the all these people, all two of these people. It was it was a time where you could wear leather unironically yeah. as a trench coat. Yeah, going going from there was was really interesting, especially because of the the the, the idea I had the world of Vampire the Masquerade, where Cyberpunk felt like these characters with agency moving through this established world. The characters felt very trapped by this world for me. This whole sort of the politics of it is like a dance and it's ongoing. They feel they feel sort of very at the mercy of their circumstances, right? Yes, exactly. The, the world is perceived through parent paranoia, it, it feels like to me, especially listening back to the, the episodes. It doesn't, it doesn't ever, <laughs> yeah. ever feel like the, the world we're seeing is the world as it is. You know, in, indeed, what does that even mean? We're seeing it through these three people who are in a very, who have no power to speak of. They're just being moved like pawns. That's right, uh, like a bit of a dance. The, the leitmotif, I would say... Uh, as as it's named in a lot of the tracks, uh, are waltzes, yeah. a very structured, very clearly defined dance, um, which has very strict rules, mm. um, and that that came across musically. 
Talk me through how you came to that decision. It actually just started with making a decision about which instruments I wanted to use and the, the solemnity of the, the world that I was reading about and getting from you, especially when I was creating my character. I don't ever remember making the conscious decision to, in, in the beginning anyway, to say, hey, everything that Chris just said about about the, the, the waltz and its rules and um, it being very, very strict. I actually, I think I just started with what I felt like was a, a fairly spooky conspiratorial melody. And um, and then as, as it was coming out, it just it just felt completely natural to put it in the in the terms of a waltz. Um, I think there are three or four tracks that, that are variations on that. One of them descends into static, which really felt from some of the demos that I'd been hearing, the control was just, was forever dangled in front of these characters, um, like a carrot on a stick. And it just just forever out of grasp, but they were always under the illusion that they were able to catch it. And it's very, it's a very realistic <laughs> sentiment um, <laughs> now I think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, once once it had been established that this was a waltz, then yeah, it was as you said, suddenly having images in my mind about the never-ending and sort of futile nature of these characters and their, their sense of agency. Everything stemmed from there, really. I think they were the first pieces that I wrote, apart from for the lo- ever since we were we'd agreed to sort of move forward with this. I really loved this piece by I think it's John Hughes. There's this tonal piece that just maintains the same. Uh, the same notes throughout and it just sort of for it just sort of trudges through the song and picks up more atmosphere and more more, um, mm. more depth but it doesn't ever variate it doesn't deviate from the starting note and that was masquerade yes which was used i've got to say it was used extraordinarily well in the series as i think it ended up being a was it humanity frenzy check yes soon, i believe it's a frenzy yeah check. as soon as soon as you'd say frenzy check then the the piano the the uh, the lone dum came in like a bell yes. just tolling and mm. it would send shivers down my spine every single time. I think you captured it beautifully. I think you captured the paranoia and the uh, oppressive nature that a dark reflection of our own invites. Yes. Um, speaking to the characters that we have, uh, we had three very distinct characters, each very different in their characterization, but also in their music. The first one that jumps out is Kevin Morse's by Sean Flurl and Morse's code for his track. That was my Giacchino. Giacchino approach to naming songs there. <laughs> yeah, probably my most cyberpunk track of uh, Vampire the Masquerade because it's got a bit of an 80s cop feel to it, I think. It's definitely the most aggressive yeah. and the most kind of assertive. I wanted to go with something that was noticeably cop but in this world so it had had a lot of sort of darker ethereal tones but at the same time it had an 80s kick and synth it really it really interested me having that um having those two elements blended to the point where i was listening back to it and going i think this is great i'm not sure though i think it's fantastic (laughs) i really love it yeah and then we had isabel's theme innocent yeah she's naive and innocent in this series what else did you draw upon Or, or how did that translate into the music myself leaning towards people like the cinematic orchestra really rich orchestral sounds but but like mi- mixing that with something a little darker and a little edgier because of course these characters are characters who live in in this dark adelaide ellen's being a former nun helps with that helps keep that uh, gothic and uh, yes. darker i definitely had this idea of how the track would play out if it was playing with the acoustics of a, a church having little choral elements 
strange little organesque sounds coming in and out because again it's only it's only about getting aspects of this former self but what i wanted to get across is you've got these character elements and with isabel you've got this past this religious past and this sort of good nature in the core but it's always in night city it's always in this dark adelaide these two things are always at war which is the the war inside uh, all vampire characters is very heightened in her as you pointed out at the end of the last episode that it fell on ellen again to um make or not make the killing blow it, it does feel like there's a there's a particular like the, the soul of this place does seem to be in this track it's way more symbiotic the character in adelaide in this in this track than with vincent and kevin's tracks whether it's hubris or or rage or something is always holding its ground quite nicely i always had a sense talking to ellen about isabel's character that she was part of it despite retaining that sort of pure innocent part of herself like felt like she most naturally belonged and, and then of course we have vincent yes um who who had a bit of a of a time <laughs> certainly did yeah yeah that was hard to listen to So was the arc for Vincent sort of in place when you were writing music for him? Or was it just, are you, did you work off the, just the concept of the character? I, I'd been in conversation with Chris about this, actually. He was filling me on and on how difficult everybody was finding the game. Um, and, uh, or the experience, rather. And, yeah, um, yeah, emotionally. He, and yeah, I've had lots of people ask me to join. <laughs> they all want to be part of it. It's like, oh, uh, God. there's a bunch of... Uh, yeah. Me included, I, I absolutely adore it. So we're all massive. Yeah, you're, you're all masochists. I love it. Yeah, you'd be a stronger person on the other end um, <laughs> rather, rather than a complete gibbering mess. Uh, jumping back to, to Vincent, there was he, he obviously uh, loses a bit of his humanity and becomes a bit paranoid as a result. What, what kind of musical direction did you take to kind of draw attention to that or, or show that that had tweaked? I found I was able to come up with Vincent's theme and just tweak it slightly, just to send it down a slightly different path. I mean, his main theme anyway is fairly morose and melancholic, um, you know, which felt natural to me as a fellow genius. Um, it was it was really easy to bring to... <laughs> bring to, to life but no um, I'm an idiot but it was very easy to get this this idea of Vincent as, as you know this intellectual who has a very high opinion of himself but is also prey to his own his own paranoias and also not quite ready I don't believe for the um, for the powers that they find in their Adelaide adventure and that ironically is what makes him ill-prepared is that he believes he is ready yes whereas the two characters who are not isabel and and kevin don't know that they are ready and yet they are whereas vincent thinks he is and isn't i had this idea of as an intellectual he has a, a fairly strong if not clear thought process there's an assertiveness in the in the melody of his theme but at the same time as well as being quite confident is very obviously a, a, a negative one it's quite it sort of dwells in melan- melancholy and, and it also is quite foreboding, I think. The main theme that I had, which then I you know, realised we're, we're telling this, this story, we're following Vincent's arc. In the end, it was just about isolating some of those moments and creating, to begin with, a sort of introduction to, to the main theme, which is actually quite quietly frenetic if that can be a thing. It, it was like all these constituent parts hadn't yet joined and they were trying to find this, this this haven before they could join and become this theme. And then the third one is just quite a... It's just the melody by itself with no... with with very little holding it up. It's just quite alone. It, again, it's, it's hard to sort of put all of this into, into words without it sounding completely wanky. But I 
think ultimately it's just about demonstrating the fact that for everything that Vincent has or thinks he has, he's pretty much alone and quite helpless when it all comes down to it. I think it's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us uh, remotely, Paul. Thank you for all your work on the music so far. There's a couple more episodes. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, a few more things related to Vampire. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of what we do, make sure you subscribe to us on your uh, podcatcher of choice, Baby Beard Media. And Paul, where can they find One Good Thing? So, yeah, we're One Good Thing uh, on all good podcatchers. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Facebook, it's at OGT Pod. Un- unmemorably uh yeah we're, we're we're everywhere including spotify now so um just uh give us a listen we're sometimes positive yeah and uh i also have my vamp and cyberpunk albums available on soundcloud if you want to just go and listen to them there it's soundcloud.com forward slash love traitor and yeah there will be more soon yeah and if you want to be positive <laughs> or negative to us you can find us on our socials at baby beard media we've also got a patreon which you can sign up to for some extra goodies and um, we hope to see you soon i've been phil i've been chris i've been paul bye ciao bye You have been listening to Adelaide by Night, which is a Roll to Cast production. The best way to find us is on Twitter, Discord, and our Patreon. All our podcasts are on Acast, Spotify, YouTube, and all good podcatchers. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Roll to Cast. Portions of the materials are the copyrights and trademarks of White Wolf Entertainment AB and are used with permission. All rights reserved. For more information, please visit white-wolf.com. This season of Rollercast is made by fans for fans and is not officially licensed material of White Wolf Entertainment. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.